So, JB, did you get the present I sent you? Well, yeah. I mean, hey, we're three games out of the end of the regular season. And with a record of 114 and 41 versus 110 to 45, apparently. Yeah. Well, you know, 73.5%. That, that's a pretty good. I mean, really? Yeah. I mean, really? This is what I get yep. for winning the season 14 picks contest. You guys see this? You're a winner. You're a winner. I mean, you're okay. you're a winner. Oh, sorry, I got an itchy, itchy forehead. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, hey, you know what? For all the flack we take, a lot of things, I got to say, 73%, not half bad. 72% no. basically, give or take for me, not half bad either. Maybe seventy-one percent. Uh, you know, I didn't do the quick math on that one, but yeah, okay. We're not picking against the spread. I get that, but we did pick quality games in each region. It wasn't like we were picking the gimmies in every region. We did what eleven to fourteen games every week, and pretty much, dude. I mean, it was if good you do stuff. The, if you do the math, if you do the math, it's over a hundred. We picked over one hundred and fifty games this year. Yeah, that's a lot. 155, I think it was. Uh, you said 114 yeah. to 41, right? Yep. Yeah, 155. So we, have, yeah. we have three more to pick, right? Three more. Two two games on Saturday. One game. I'm not going to use the other finger <laughs> for you after this thing. I mean. Yeah, well, North Central might want to use that finger for uh, some reasons we'll discuss uh, on Saturday oh, night. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll kind of cover off that. Hey, everybody, it's season 14 of In the Huddle. You know what? You stole my line. I don't really care. You, you earned it. You got the ribbon and the line to uh, lead us into the show this week. How's that? So anyway, uh, we are going to do crunch time for the quarterfinals. We are going to have interviews with each of the four uh, teams, a player from each uh, team remaining. And hey, we got all four this year. No black boxes on our little you know thumbnail that we uh, do uh, on Twitter and all that stuff. We got interviews with everybody. And... Um, are we going to predict games this go around? Eh, yeah. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. We'll we'll, we'll, maybe. we'll see what happens. You know, what what could you, would your Friday morning be if we didn't give you fresh content? So maybe That's we won't true. be picking the games here, but we will be at least talking to uh, players from each of the teams. We want you to be able to hear it for more than twenty four hours, and uh, that's why we wanted to do our Wednesday Friday show uh, split here and. Um, Okay, quarterfinals. You went four for four, if I remember correctly, in the quarterfinals uh, this week. So, uh, what what was your takeaway from all this? Uh, because obviously, you didn't get surprised by anything, did you? Um, yeah, I was surprised at how 
great Muhlenberg played on Saturday. Um, I, I, I was just so impressed by the Mules and, and Coach Milne, um, an elite statesman, an elite Mule. Um, I mean, what a great job. He's really turned that program into, uh, I mean, I guess if Region 2 is still is the East now, it's beast of the East, man. I mean, what what they have done with some of the recruiting and the talent that they brought in um, to that part of Pennsylvania is, I mean, wow. I mean, that game felt like a national championship game. You were there, Frank. You said it was one of the best games. I mean, you've been to 19, remember, not 16 or 17, 19 games this season. And you've been doing this for what twenty? Well, we'll say six. Oof. I mean, I thought the, the the Hobart Union game we saw back in October was amazing, but this was a whole nother level with the playoffs and all this stuff going on. I mean, we have been really lucky this twenty twenty one season. Now there may be other parts of this season that we'd like to forget certain criteria things that have been used and misappropriated not only in playoffs but maybe in other places which we'll maybe get to on friday but hey here we are final four (laughs) it it was your place on the stage it wasn't for me to interject there but yep 26 years uh but uh, for this season at the very least i think it was the best game that i've seen uh played and for playoffs themselves it's the best playoff game that I have personally witnessed uh, for sure. We're going to have it here in crunch time. We will talk about the hosting uh, situation when we uh, talk about the games coming up uh, after crunch time. So you'll want to stay tuned for all that. Well, I've said the word crunch time multiple times without actually telling you it's time for crunch time for the quarterfinals of the fall 2021 Division Three college football season. Well, we have four games to tell you about and clips from each one of them. So let us start in the upper left with Linfield at Mary Harden-Baylor. And in this game, 2-18 left first quarter, Brenton Martin gets a 58-yard touchdown pass from K.J. Miller. Yep, that's right, folks. A little bit of trickeration going on here by UMHB. Got them a 7-3 lead early. Then in the second quarter, eight minutes left, Brandon Jordan, 11-yard touchdown pass from Kyle King made a 14-3. Get used to that kind of combination there, folks, because 32 seconds left in the first half. It's Brandon Jordan, 20 yards from Kyle King. The halftime score would be that 28-10 score. Third quarter, 59 seconds left. Brandon Jordan, a 41-yard touchdown pass from Kyle King made a 42-17. And then in the fourth quarter, we're going to show you with three minutes left, Gary Ruckman gets a four-yard touchdown pass from Kyle King. We want to show you that because that is Kyle King's sixth touchdown pass of that quarterfinal playoff game, folks. How the heck? Talk more with him later in the show, but 49-24 your final in favor of Mary Harden-Baylor. Kyle King, 24 for 32, 345 yards, six passing touchdowns. Wyatt Smith from Linfield, 42 for 51, 442, three passing touchdowns. A great day for him in terms of stats. Brandon Jordan, though, with those three receiving touchdowns. We'll go one by one here, briefly here. Uh, 
I mean, that combination has renewed itself from the Harden-Simmons game earlier this season that I attended. Yeah, I don't know. Like, who are these guys who are criticizing the Crusaders' offense for not being good all season? You know, could it possibly be, you know, them saying, you know, you know what? These experts don't know what they're talking about. I mean, holy smokes, air raid central. I, I, I mean, you're sure Wyatt Smith had a had a big day with all those passing yards, but man, whoever thinks the Crusaders' offense isn't the real deal, maybe needs to change their mindset a little bit. Because I was really impressed with with Kyle and the Crusaders on Saturday. And we'll talk more with him in a little bit. Central at Whitewater. In the first quarter, three minutes into the game, Brody Klein gets a 25-yard punt return for touchdown to make it 7-0 Central excuse me, leading this game. Then four minutes later, Whitewater's Tyler Holty gets a 10-yard touchdown pass from Max Myler to make it 7-7. Just two minutes later after that, it's Jeff Herbers with a four-yard touchdown pass from Blaine Hawkins. Again, that's Blaine Hawkins there, JB. 14-7. Blaine Haskins? Yeah, no, no. Blaine Hawkins. <laughs> 14-7, Central leads. Eventually, Whitewater would take their first lead in the second quarter. With 12-51 left, Tyler Holty with a 36-yard touchdown pass from Max Myler made it 20-14, Whitewater. But later in the second quarter, look at this. Blaine Hawkins intercepted by Mark McGrath of Whitewater, and that would lead to a touchdown three plays later for the Warhawks. The halftime score would be 27-21, Whitewater, but... Alex Pete finally stepped in to draw distance on the scoreboard. 4.56 left third quarter. Here's a 13-yard touchdown run by Alex Pete. Then 8.54 left fourth quarter. Alex Pete, a 10-yard touchdown run. Then in the fourth quarter, 3.40 left. Alex Pete, a 29-yard touchdown run. Wow, he is incredible. That's 51-21 Whitewater winning over Central. Pete, 32 rushes, 181 yards, three touchdowns. Myler, 17 for 22, 230 yards, two passing, one rushing touchdown. Lane Hawkins, two passing touchdowns. He did break the record. Tell folks what that record is. He has thrown more touchdown passes in a single season than anybody in NCAA history. I'm not talking about Division 3, 2, 1, FBS, FCS, the most ever. It's it's incredible accomplishment for for Blaine and congratulations to him on an amazing career. I have a feeling, you know, there could be a trophy in his near future. I predicted it last week. I'm still kind of sticking by that. Although, hey, how about Mark McGrath doing a Jefferson Fritz impersonation with a big interception that led to a 21 to 7 lead that put his team on the winning path? I think we might be talking to that guy in a little bit. Let's Let's do it. Well, we'll uh, hold off, though, until after crunch time. RPI at North Central in the upper right. First quarter, 649 left. Terrence Hill with a 15-yard touchdown run to make it 14-0 North Central at that point. And in the second quarter, 1145 left. Ethan Greenfield, a four-yard touchdown run. Boy, they're running away with it early here. 21-0 North Central. But Peter Lombardi gets a three-yard touchdown pass from George Marinopoulos with five minutes left in the second quarter to make it 21-6 North Central. But still, D'Angelo Hardy with 13 seconds left in the half, 17-yard touchdown pass from Luke Lanon to make it 28-6 North Central. And by the way, they blocked two field goals by Trevor Bisson, at least the attempts at field goals in the half, to make it a 28-6 halftime score. It didn't get any closer in the second half. Final score, 55-6. 
North Central. Greenfield, 20 rushes, 144 yards, two rushing touchdowns. The NCC defense held RPI to minus 12 rushing yards. Six sacks they had and two interceptions. JB, great try by RPI. We knew they were uh, really in for uh, an interesting game here, to say the least. And North Central is the real deal. Well, yeah, they are. And um, as much as there was a, a, a certain fan on Twitter who said that we have been disrespecting RPI all year, I take I take some offense to that and to say that, you know what, we have done nothing but support the engineers. And at the end of the day, whoever was going to draw this round with NCC was probably going to lose no matter what, who it was out of Region 2. Um, I think RPI had a great season. I think, you know, unfortunately, Everything that could have gone wrong in the first five minutes of that game did. You know, they they lost the toss. They, they gave up a score on the first possession, and then the, the Cardinals kind of went for blood. They 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 did basically an onside kick and and got it, and then it was fourteen nothing. RPI did not get their offense onto the field until like seven minutes into the first quarter, and they were down by two scores. It just didn't stack up, you know, the way that they probably would have or should have wanted. But hey, that doesn't take away from a great season. And all due respect to Coach Isernia and the engineers, heck of a job this year. And you know what? Like I said, for a while now, I don't think anybody's beaten this Cardinals team. So it is what it is, and it doesn't, you know, make the East weak because they lost by a certain thing. It's just one of those games where things didn't go their way. Hey, great year, and RPI is nothing to be ashamed about. Let's go to the final game. Uh, Muhlenberg at Mount Union. We have a lot to talk about here. Five minutes into the game, DeAndre Parker gets a one-yard touchdown run for Mount Union. The extra point is missed, so it was 6-0 Mount Union. Looked like they were going to prime to run away with this game. Uh, well, no. Five minutes left, first quarter. Michael Dukowski gets his own one-yard touchdown run on a fourth-and-goal play. 7-6, to six, Muhlenberg has the lead. Five seconds into the second quarter, Nick Deke gets a 27-yard field goal to make it 9-7, Mount Union. But two and a half minutes later, Mitch Daniel with a great grab here, a 10-yard touchdown pass from Michael Dukowski. Might have given you a shout-out after this one as well. 14-9, to nine, Muhlenberg has the lead. We would stay that way well through halftime. Third quarter, 6.27 left. The aforementioned Mitch Daniel, 17-yard touchdown pass from Nikowski. It's 21-9, Muhlenberg. Upset alert started up around this point. But in the next Mount Union drive, we really thought this thing was getting put away as Alex Batista intercepts Plunk. But Muhlenberg goes three and out in their next drive. One play later, Josh Petroselli, 53-yard touchdown run with 2.37 left. Third quarter makes it 21-16, Muhlenberg. Mount would survive a disaster also, though, when Ray Williams would muff Muhlenberg's next punt. But the Mules get the ball and can't advance it in the next four plays. So in Mount's next drive, DeAndre Parker gets an eight-yard touchdown run with 12.29 left fourth quarter. It's 22-21, Mount Union back with the lead. Then Josh Petroselli gets his second rushing touchdown of the half. It's a two-yard run for uh, with 6.04 left fourth quarter for a 29-21 Mount Union lead. Another special teams error would eventually turn the tables on Mount as punter Kevin Oliveris is called down when he tried to scoop up the ball and Muhlenberg would take the ball over at the Mount Union 25-yard line with 2.35 left. That allowed Michael Feaster to get an 8-yard touchdown pass from Michael Nikowski with 1.20 left fourth quarter. 
and a two-point conversion as well, you'll see here, was successful. 29-29, but uh, we still have a chance here to win with a 41-yard field goal. Nick Deke goes wide left. The wind was pretty brutal out there in that direction, and it carried it. So we went to overtime. Muhlenberg had the same thing happen. Their field goal attempt went wide left as well. So that means Mount just needed any score to win. Derek Harvey Jr. gets a 14-yard touchdown pass from Braxton Plunk. It ends the game 35-29. Mount survives in overtime. Braxton Plunk, 38 for 56, 465 yards. Passing touchdown and an interception. Actually, uh, he may have had two interceptions in the game, if I remember correctly. Michael Nikowski, 30 for 58, 294 yards, three passing touchdowns on the day. Uh, we'll have Plunk on the show to talk about the highs and lows of that game. Uh, but I'll tell you, JB, what a game. Just what a game. Yeah, Muhlenberg. Just wouldn't uh, let go here, even though every time we thought Mount U was surging, they stopped the surge somehow until the very end. Yeah, and if you look at the statistics, it was kind of like the the Cortland RPI game from the other weekend. It was like one team had all these yards and all these stats, and yet they're struggling to to stay ahead. And, um, you know, credit the Mount Union defense, though, at the end. They came up with some critical stops. When they needed it, their special teams let them down, and maybe this game could have been over sooner. But, I mean, Nikowski and the Mules just never gave up. Um, Mitch Daniels, hey, man, I saw I saw the, the shout-out on the touchdown. You have my utter respect, and I thought that was awesome. Um, you know, it was just one of those things. It, it could have gone either way on this one, and Mount pulled it out late. They have a tall order with uh, hosting the national champions on Saturday, which was an interesting little thing. We'll, we'll get there. That's crunch time for the quarterfinal round of fall 2021 Division Three college football season. I know you want to talk about it, but we we got one other thing to uh, get out of the way. Actually, two uh, things uh, because we have two. Get out of the way. Here. We got to get out of the way here, Frank. Okay, what do we got? We got JB's Week 14 MVPs, my friend, and uh, well, here's some yeah. here's somebody uh, that uh, looks pretty familiar to me from that last pile of uh, highlights we just saw. Helmet off here, but Josh Petroselli from Mount Union, your offensive MVP for good reason. Yeah, I mean, you know, I could have very easily given this to Kyle King with the six touchdown passes, but you know, to me, it really felt like Petroselli's, especially when. For whatever reason, Mount Union decided to go back to the run. That's when this the tide of this game started to turn. And Josh had 15 rushes for 105 yards, two touchdowns. And I really feel like of all the – I mean, there were some great offensive performances in the quarterfinals, obviously. I mean, Hawkins was great. Um, you know, Pete from Whitewater was great. Myler from Whitewater was great. I mean, there were, there were lots of great performances. But this guy particularly um, in – the closest game really turned the tide for his team. So, Josh, you're my offensive MVP. Um, going to the defensive side of the ball, Kevon Shepard from Mary Harden Baylor had two sacks and two tackles for loss against Linfield. That defensive line for Mary Harden Baylor is going to be a, a big reason if or if 
or not, I guess you could say uh, the crew can can win up in Wisconsin this weekend. And then finally, I had to give a little shout out to um, you know, special teams. And I don't know if you noted this, Frank, but the Linfield roster has some interesting designations. I, I'm assuming that Jet Cyril here um, is listed as an M is a wide receiver or some kind of running back. <laughs> I don't know what an M stands for, but he had over 100 yards of returns in the game against the crew, which really helped Linfield, you know, kind of hang around. They got a lot of passing yards. They couldn't run the ball. Um, but Jet, man, he lived up to his name. He was returning that ball back 20 plus yards every time he got his hands on it. And, you know, in, in a weekend where we didn't see any dramatic field goal kicks or anything like that, that to me really stood out as a great special teams performance. So congratulations. I think it's referred to as an M back. Uh, if I remember correctly, uh, it, it's not the first time they've had the distinction on the roster. I'm not hundred percent sure what it is, but nonetheless, uh, his performance as a special teamer, uh, on Saturday was key uh, to at least try to keep them in that game. But I'll tell you, they, they just kind of got uh, in front of a runaway train in Kyle King and company uh, in that game. So we have two games left uh, for this Saturday and then one, as you said, for the national championship. To get the national championship, you got to win Saturday. So we'll start on the left side. It's Mary Hart and Baylor going to Wisconsin Whitewater. And, you know, we can't say enough about the quarterback for Mary Harden Baylor, Kyle King, the six touchdowns and uh, whatnot. But just this is a senior with eligibility left. We'll discuss that with him in a second here. Um, he had health issues throughout this season and in the playoffs. And to come back from that stuff is no small feat. So here's our discussion with Kyle King. Kyle, uh, it's been an interesting playoffs, to say the least, for you. We're going to start with the good things here. I, I think it was six touchdowns passing against really a great defense that Linfield mm -hmm. has. I mean, mm -hmm. tell us how that developed. Take us through the game flow of that and how you felt coming into that game after missing one because of yeah. uh, stuff we'll talk about in a second. Right. Um, yeah, so, you know, obviously missing one was tough. Um kind of lost the flow. Ryan played great in that game that I missed. He's played great in every game I've missed, which has actually pushed me to be better. But anyways, back back on track. Yeah, Linfield had a great defense, and they ran great uh, schemes. They um, We thought we could attack the flats a little bit with some bubbles, and we did. And we thought we were a tad bit, a tad bit more athletic, and I think that kind of was the case. You know, They covered guys well, and our receivers just made plays on one-on-one -on -one situations. You know, our office coordinator always tells us, in college football, guys will not be wide open. The best situation you're going to get is a one-on-one, -on -one. and that's what we kind of, you know, pride ourselves on winning those, whether it be blocking or catching or making a guy miss. It's just it's one-on-one. -on -one. That's what football boils down to. Yeah, well, speaking of those one-on-ones, Kyle, um, your receiver, who I, I still swear looks to more like a tight end to me, so I, I've given him the nickname of the deep three Gronk, Brandon Jordan. Um, yeah. He We won several uh, of those one-on-ones catching three of the six touchdowns you threw. Tell yep. us a little bit of – I mean, I was having flashbacks to that Harden-Simmons game that Frank went to at the end of September. <clears throat> it just seemed to be locked in together. And, and yeah. tell us what was going on there. Was that, once again, like sort of these one-on-one -on -one matchups you talked about earlier? Yeah, it's just, you know, we try to – you know, when teams play him like that, it'd be dumb not to throw him the ball, honestly. Um, he With him, one-on-ones, you know, we call them 50-50 balls. They're not 50-50 with him. It's more like 
I would say 80-20 and 75-25 at the worst. Um, Brandon's going to make a play for you. If you can give him a good ball where he can use his body to defend or shield the defender, he's tough to stop. He really is. Okay, so, you know, I, I get texts from uh, UMHB folk all the time. Uh, you know, we've we formed friendships over the years. And during the regular season, I get one uh, in morning when I'm traveling to a game, uh, and it's, uh, yeah, Kyle King's got turf toe of some sort, going to miss a game. And it ended up being more uh, than, I think, one uh, game ultimately uh, that that yep. cost you. Then yeah. uh, I was talking to your dad, and there's stuff going on. And as you said, Ryan Redding had to fill in for you uh, in the game before the Linfield game there against uh, Birmingham Southern. Yeah. What's been going on? How you feeling? What's going on with you? And, I mean, you look like a good, healthy, you know, 20-something-year-old guy. What's going on here? <laughs> yeah. Um, so as far as the turf toe goes, I'm 100% back from that. Um, there's no complications with that. Um, as far as the week against Birmingham, I was pretty sick. Um, just had a lot of things going on. Had to go, you know, had to go to the – I actually had to go to the emergency room twice just – bad situation really and finally got taken care of but i don't know just i don't have a great diet and it just screwed my digestive system up real bad and it was it was bad it was a bad deal for sure yes sir well i mean i don't i'm not i'm not surprised given you know frank's always sending you know pictures of like the barbecue or the mexican food and the beans and the rice and yeah. all the stuff that tex-mex y'all got down there in in <laughs> in uh in belton and might might be a culprit so we'll um yeah, we'll make sure you're, you know, eating your Wheaties and all that other stuff for, for this weekend. Um, as we transition a little bit, uh, you know, Whitewater is the is the last team that was able to get one over on on uh, Mary Harden Baylor back in the, the 2019 playoffs. Jace yep. Hammock was a, was a QB back then, but you were on the team. I imagine you were probably, you know, ready to go in there if you had to. What were some lessons um, from that? experience i mean it probably feels way longer than two years ago um right. but if i if i actually look at the if i actually look at the date it was almost exactly well we're recording this on december 7th and mm -hmm. that game was on december 7th 2019 so almost exactly two years ago what are some of your yeah. memories from that and what are some of the lessons you guys learned about taking on a team like uh like the warhawks yeah, uh, you know, it's funny. I was actually on JV that year, so I was not suited up for that game. I was in the stands watching that game, and I just remember them. Hmm. I just remember it being like, even being on JV, you know, you still feel part of the of the team, you know, and I just remember being so such a helpless feeling, and them guys just, they really just physically, physically dominated us that game, to be honest with you. And, um, and, and I say that our defense played really well that game, and I know they had, I think, well, I've heard Coach Fred talk about it. They had like 16 third and fourth and ones and converted 14 of them. Um, so our defense played outstanding that game. We just were on the field so long because the offense struggled. Um, that year, we were when we played that game, we were down three offensive linemen, something like that, starting offensive linemen, and that, that hurt us, I think. Uh, they were bigger and stronger than us up front, and I think that made it hard for Jason, our running backs, offensively that game. Um, lessons, as far as lessons learned, I don't know if there's a lesson learned. I mean, I, a lot of our guys are, are battle-tested. I think – obviously, there's a lesson to learn in everything. But I think we didn't – it's not like we underestimated them. We know who Whitewater is. They're a, they're a power. They're a D3 power. And when you play a team like that, you're going to expect it to be physical. And you got to make a little a few plays that aren't that aren't drawn up exactly how you have them. You just got to make a play. And um, I don't think we made enough plays that day. And I think they did, and they deserved to win that game. You love – 
being the underdog, I can tell, or at least being uh, kind of underappreciated uh, going into situations like these. And uh, from what we've seen, uh, you know, maybe a field goal favorite, uh, somebody's uh, slapped on uh, Wisconsin Whitewater here. Uh, you know, we've talked in the past, uh, heading into the Harden-Simmons game, uh, about right. the respect level and you, you know, leading your team back in that second half and everything else. Do you feel like people are underestimating you personally heading into this game and saying, well, yeah, that Birmingham Southern thing was nice and all, but it, they aren't Whitewater, and he's in for a, a uh, stunning uh, day coming up this Saturday when he's facing Whitewater. What do you yeah. think about all that talk? You know, I try to cancel that stuff out. I try to stay off social media um, as much as I can, at least the negative stuff. You know, you see it here and there, and it's, it's inevitable. But I don't. I mean, I like being an underdog. I'm not saying I don't. I've always kind of took that, you know, I've always kind of took that and tried to run with it. It's hard to do at UMHB sometimes because you're not always the underdog, you know, so you're expected to win games. But as far as, like, a player goes and feeling underappreciated, I wouldn't say that. Uh, my teammates are very supportive. My coaches are very supportive. You know, I started from the bottom here and worked up, but I don't think that's being underappreciated. I think that's just where they thought I was, and that's fine. You know, that's an honest assessment of what they thought. So, you know, you, you get that and you can either pout and that can be who you are the rest of your career. Or you can work and end up being, you know, a guy they have to depend on. And I think that's kind of what I've done. I wouldn't call it disrespect. I just think it's I was raw out of high school. You know, um, I don't I wasn't a great quarterback out of high school. I was a good football player. I was physical. I played defense a lot in high school, too. So, you know, I was very physical, but I wasn't a great football. I mean, I wasn't a great quarterback. My feet weren't great. I didn't know how to make many reads. You know, I've, I've, I've evolved a lot in my time in college. Well, one of the things I imagine that's helped you in this evolution, Kyle, and I, I actually asked um, Braxton Plunk, the quarterback for Mount Union, this question earlier. Uh, you basically played what's kind of an equivalent to an NFL season in the calendar year of 2021. This is going to be your – 19th game i think of of this yeah. of this year and if you mm -hmm. go back and you include the the spring games of of um you know back in february through you know that april uh shortened spring season you guys had in the asc um kind of walk us through like what does it feel like to, is this you know it's kind of it's got to be a little bit of a grind right i mean that's a lot of football to play in 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 a sort of condensed period of time but then again i guess you could say it's 10 months so it has been sort of spread out how is the team feeling overall about it? And, you know, obviously Whitewater didn't get a chance to play. Their North Central didn't either. It seems like it doesn't really matter either way. You know, spring football was what it was. It was sort of this little microcosm. But are there any right. things from spring football that you feel have helped you guys out or maybe potentially held you back a little? No, we were um, – I don't think it's held us back at all. I th we were excited to play in the spring. You know, we wanted to play. I think it helped our offense out tremendously. I mean, you look at me. I started my first two games in the spring. I think we started two new offensive linemen, I know for a fact, freshmen in the spring that played all five games and are still starting for us. And this year we added a new right guard that has started for us. Um, so the spring was, was big for us, I think. Uh, we, we were fortunate. We didn't have any giant injuries in the spring. Um, there was no nothing that set us back for the fall. And as far as being healthy going into this game, I think we're about as healthy as you can be at this point of the season. So we've been blessed uh, injury-wise, and we're just we're just excited to get after it. 
So you have maximum two games left this season. I don't know what your uh, eligibility is or isn't, so you can tell us what that is. But what is next for Kyle King after this season is done, regardless of what happens in these next two games? Yeah, I'll be back next year. Okay. Um, I, and short and sweet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll be back next year. Um, I'll be. I'm gonna graduate next Christmas, so I'll get my. I'm be a teacher, so I'm get my student teaching in the spring. Come back, take my last few classes I have to take to get on out of here. Um, we're actually returning a pretty big amount on offense, so we're gonna. I'm looking forward to it for sure. Like oh, we're you're returning talking. nine, well, I think. I don't want to interrupt you here, but I've got a very good feeling now sitting down because you and I last talked with you know already around us post game, uh, Harden Simmons and everything else. You are coach's mentality. You sitting there, you just strike me as a future coach. Is football right. coaching in your future too? No, oh, yeah, no doubt. I want to um, be an offensive coordinator for sure. That's kind of what I don't know that I want to do the head coach route, you know, maybe not right at first at all. Anyways, um, I'd, I want to be offensive coordinator. And if maybe if the opportunity presented itself down the line to get a bigger position, you know, I might do that. I want to be in the smaller schools too. I don't, you know, we, we have a classification. We're one through six A here in Texas, and I would want to be three A and down probably. So that's kind of what I'm kind of what I want to do. You know, I like to deer hunt. I like to be in the country. So that's kind of what I want to do, be in somewhere like that. Sounds like a pretty nice life to me, man. That's great. Yeah, that's the plan. Well, we, we know what comes next here. I gave you the chance to do it after the hard Sims game and in the heat of the moment. Maybe you forgot somebody or maybe you added yeah. to the list since that point. So any shout-outs, any family, friends, teammates, Kyle King, the floor is yours. Yeah, just, man, it's been such a grueling year. It's so many ups and downs. I just want to say thank you to my mom and my dad. My dad comes and watches practice like twice a week. He's retired. You know, he was a coach too. My mom's an athletic director, so she she's always busy, but she still finds time to come to my games and stuff. Uh, my brothers haven't missed a game. Uh, my brothers, well, my one of my brothers is married, so his wife, my other one's engaged, so his soon-to-be wife. And they're, they're two little babies, you know. They all come to my games and support. My aunt, you know, I can't thank her enough. She's for, she's there, everything I do. My aunt, my uncle, my cousins, my, my two best friends from Milano. You know, I just have so many people I, I owe my success to. And, you know, I know I'm leaving some off the list. Uh, David Westbrook, high school track coach, treated me like a son his whole life. You know, he's played a big part, calls me every week, talks about the game, game plan. Uh, Jay, Jan and Jay Wise, you know, they're my godparents, love them like family. Uh, treat me like their kid as well just so many teachers here that have helped me um coaches coach fred you know coach lee coach lee's played a huge part in my success here you know he's one of those guys he he doesn't do a lot of interviews i don't know if i've ever heard him do one he doesn't he doesn't want credit but he deserves a lot more credit than he gets i promise you that um yeah and just my teammates you know trusting me and you know getting on the ship and we're riding right now so you know one more game or well one more game to get where we want to go to. So obviously the job's not done. I think we've done a good job of, of, of keeping that mindset. You know, we're not content. We're excited to go play in Wisconsin. A lot of us never been to Wisconsin before, so we're not really dreading the cold. We know it's going to be cold. It's something you have to embrace and you have to go up there and just play either way. It's going to be cold. So we're looking forward to it. JB, I'll tell you, I, I got to talk with him after the Harden Simmons win, as we alluded to in the interview itself. Uh, yeah, sure. And I, I was, impressed with him in that discussion but i'm even more impressed with him how the football acumen the the self-realization of hey i was a bad quarterback coming into college and i you know i had happy feet or you know feet that weren't set right and stuff and to acknowledge he had shortcomings 
and has improved and grown and everything, you gotta love that kind of introspection and honesty from such a great player as Kyle King. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the things that, you know, um, in Division Three, we have a lot of, uh, we have a very, a lot of elite academic schools that it's, they're hard to get into. You, you know, a lot of times it's families with money and all this kind of thing. But when you have a guy like Kyle King, who is just as bright, just as articulate, just as, I mean, he, you know, he likes to, you know, he likes to talk about, I like to go hunting or fishing or whatever. And he's going to be, a, he's going to teach kids. He'll probably coach football. Like this is a salt of the earth American that I just, I love this guy, man. And it, you know, it's one of those things where you, you can't help but become a fan of someone and, and credit his, his folks for, you know, raising a young man like this and credit the, um, the crew coaching staff for, for having people on their team when they are like, I mean, they're, this is a badass football program and they're just so down to earth. It just salt of the earth. Great stuff. I, I, I mean, love it. It, it. You know, you know, obviously we're going to have to either pick or think about this game. And I, you know, I'm struggling because honestly of the two semifinal games, this one I think is the harder one to, to choose from, at least for me anyway. I'm not going to speak for you. But these teams are so closely matched. There's so much talent on both sides of the ball. And, man, you know, it's <laughs> this is going to be an epic game, and I cannot wait until, what is it, 3.30 on Saturday when they're, when they're going to kick this one off. I think this is going to be one of the best games, of the, if not the best game of the year. I can't wait to see it. Well, if you think you had a good – Presence in Kyle King from Mary Harden Baylor. I got one for you on the other side, uh, or the uh, other part of the bracket, I guess we should say. Mark McGrath, the uh, defensive back for Whitewater, and we showed him in crunch time getting the interception of Blaine Hawkins, uh, which was key because you know Central kept fighting back, but that led to points that were needed to keep the lead for Whitewater in the first half before they finally pulled away in that game. And McGrath. You know, he who does not sounds like have any eligibility left uh, talks about things like the unfinished business and I brought it up this is not something they like talking about as you'll hear but you know the unfinished business that his team feels from a couple of years ago with that loss versus North Central but they know they are in for quite a game with an old standard of Mary Hart and Baylor coming up here Saturday here's Mark McGrath so, Mark, congratulations on the win over Central last weekend. How does it feel to have picked off the guy who set the NCAA record for touchdowns in a single season? That's that's quite an accomplishment. You know, hey, he, he, he's in the record books, but you've got one on him. Tell us a little bit about that game and how it went for the Warhawks. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't even think about that until after the game. Some of my buddies were telling me, wow, like you saved it for a good guy. Um but no, it was a good game. Central was a good team. Um, definitely gave us some challenges out of the gate, which, you know, a team like that, an offense like that, you know, they're going to come out hot, which is what they did. You know, got the punt block too. So, but, you know, just Whitewater, we didn't panic, stayed calm, stuck to what we do. Finally got our feet under us. Once we got our feet under us, we felt pretty good. Mark, I'm curious because obviously I saw you guys in the Stag Bowl uh, down in Shenandoah a couple of years ago. 
And, you know, the road that you guys had was a tough one, but I'm, I'm curious to hear from you because you played quite a bit in both seasons, obviously. Which road has been tougher? Have they been the same to this point? I, obviously, we're going into the semifinal round. You've got to get through one more to get to the stack bowl. But the road in the first three rounds, at least, how does it compare 2019 to 2021 for Whitewater? Um, you know, I think each year is different. Um, anytime you make it to the final four or past that, you know, it's pretty special. You know, one of four teams left is something to always be proud of. Um, you know, I think in 2019, playing Mary Harden Baylor in the quarters, obviously that's going to be a tough game. Mary Harden Baylor is Mary Harden Baylor. Um, you know, we got Central this year, who was also a good team. They're just kind of different styles of teams. You know, I think Central has really, really good offense. Um, and we were able to neutralize them as a defense as it went on. But, you know, 2019, it's just a different path. But every team you play is going to be good at this point. So it's, you know, hard to compare them, I guess. And so uh, as a defense, when you're prepping against an offense that you – that I mean, obviously with a, with a Hawkins Central, you know they're a passing team. But when you look at the Crusaders, and I was kind of running some stats earlier, they're about as balanced a team – left in the in in the field they run the ball about 240 yards per game give or take three or four yards here or there and they pass the ball for maybe a little more than that they're a pretty balanced operation so is the warhawk strategy to try to force their hand one way or another like make them one dimensional and run because it's cold and <laughs> maybe that'll be tough or you you know put the game on kyle king's shoulders and and, and try to force him to beat you with his arm how are, how are some of those strategies as a defensive player or do you consider when you are, you know, going up against a team that's as balanced as UMHB? Yeah, yeah, they are. And, um, you know, obviously each week you game plan for teams with certain things, but, you know, our kind of defense philosophy is we worry about us. You know, we can put whoever, you know, whoever, they, whoever wants to line up against us every week, it doesn't really matter. Um, we're going to play our game and our style of defense is to number one, stop the run and number two, uh, limit explosive plays. So, you know, we met yesterday as a defense and that's going to be our plan going into this week, um, which is pretty much every week. So teams can try and figure out ways to beat us, but we're going to stay true to our guns and play the way we play. Uh, you came into the program after Whitewater sort of simmered down compared to what uh, the Whitewater of, let's say, old was in terms of winning national championships, uh, hand over fist, it seemed like. You chose, while you know Oshkosh was kind of uh, out there at that time, to attend uh, Whitewater. And you can't go wrong, it seems like, if football is one of your objectives in terms of the WIAC, if you want to go to a WIAC mm. school, they all are highly competitive on the football field. We know that now, watching you know every year what happens. Why Whitewater, especially when you chose Whitewater? Um, yeah, you know, I went on some visits. When I came to Whitewater, first time I came to Whitewater, I was a sophomore in high school, and uh, my high school would come up every summer to Whitewater and do, like, our own football camp here, and we'd stay in the dorms. And I actually got to meet Coach Bullis my sophomore year. Um, I think with Whitewater, just the coaches um, and the camaraderie around the program, the second you step foot on campus, it just feels like it's a pretty special place. You look at the history, you look at what this team's all about. And for me, and then you know, combine that with the locker room, the facilities that we have, all the resources that we have as a team, uh, to me, it just felt like a no-brainer. 
Well, sometimes part of becoming a good defense is getting to practice against a great offense. And you guys have a great quarterback and, and Max. Um, Pete's having an amazing season uh, the running on the, on the running back side of things. And if there's a successful running back involved, there's usually a great offensive line. Um, you know, you've got some great receivers that you practice against. I mean, how is how has you know especially with the extra year uh, of, of not playing the extra practice of COVID? Do you think has has helped you guys get to where you are? Tremendously, um, I think that's a huge advantage that we have at Whitewater. A lot of teams, you know, I've seen teams talk about what they did during COVID. I don't think any teams really did what we did. We practiced pretty much every single day, and they weren't just like practices; they were you know, like get after it practices. Um, so I got to guard Ryan Wisniewski every day, Tyler Holty, Sam Delaney, Derek Kumaro. Um, the best players that I've guarded ever at Whitewater are in practice. And that same, you could say the same thing for the D-line. You know, Mac has to go against Kyle Gannon every day. Ryan Liska has to try and tackle Alex Pete every day. Um, and we really got after it. You know, people going at it in practice and iron sharpens iron. Um, and it, it definitely helped us a lot. Um, and it kind of, I think, is why we are where we're at today. Kind of going off that, I mean, your last game coming into the COVID practices that you're just referring to was kind of an eye-opening game. Unfortunately, you lost in the stag pole for you guys. To what degree is there unfinished business in this team's mind? And, you know, it, what did you learn, I guess, from that game that has been so valuable as you've gone back on this road? Because it's not easy to get to the national semifinals twice. You've kind of suggested it yourself, and you're right, it's not. So what did you learn from that North Central game in the Stag Bowl, and what's the unfinished business in your guys' minds right now? Yeah, our team was a lot of guys um, like me who in 2020 were seniors and could have graduated, but everyone that could have came back came back. Uh, the unfinished business aspect is definitely there. It's not something we really talk about, but it's definitely a driving force. You know. We all remember that day pretty well. I know I do. I know during COVID and whatnot, you know, sometimes there's days when you don't have that motivation and you just think about that and it'll get you going a little bit. Um, so the unfinished business part, you know, it's something that's not really talked about here because we just focus on us and we focus on, you know, going one and no every week, but it's definitely in all of our heads and, you know, we haven't forgot about it. Well, you mentioned, Mark, that you came back um, as a number of your, you know, kind of this, we've we've heard the term super senior has been thrown around out there um, with, yeah. in some of the D3 programs. You have uh, definitely one game left on Saturday and potentially another one next Friday night. Um, when it's when it's all said and done, what are your plans, um, you know, post post whitewater football? I mean, I don't know, maybe there's an extra year of eligibility hidden in there somewhere or maybe fishing a little bit. But what do you what do you what's the plan for Mark McGrath after whitewater? Um, yeah, unfortunately, this is it for me. Uh, I got two more games left here. Um, and then after that, uh, still kind of figuring out, but want to go into business, want to go into sales, um, live in the Chicagoland area and just kind of go from there. Well, you've sold us that, uh, you are a great speaker and a uh, great representative for your team. That's for darn sure. Uh, a true pleasure speaking with you and, uh, we'll see where this goes. On uh, this coming Saturday, the Mary Hardin-Baylor game will not be easy, and 
you know, as much as uh, we, we kind of joke around about the Linfield, Mary Harden Baylor history that's there, there is a Mary Harden Baylor Whitewater history that's been forming over time here as well. And so this is going to be one of those classic matchups that we're excited to watch on ESPN 3 plus, wherever they call it these days. But before we let you go, we got to let you have some shout outs to any family, friends, teammates, anybody that might be watching. Mark McGrath, the floor is yours. Yeah, I want to give a shout out to uh, mom and dad, Pat, Mike, Jeff, Jay, um, every one of those guys, all my brothers. Uh, shout out Lyle, shout out Coach Parpet. Um, love all you guys, and I uh, can't wait to see you guys soon. So, you know, again, two stand-up guys we had there, and uh, one's going to be oh, trying to pick so off great. the other. Yep, yeah. you got to love these interviews. We, we live for this every year to do the, the four interviews, if we can get them all. And uh, it's, it's delivering uh, for sure so far in these first two, and it will continue, trust me in that. Um, your takeaways, though, from McGrath's discussion about that unfinished business and everything else. You know, I think, um, you know, I, I have never been fortunate enough to make it to a national championship game kind of thing, and I can only imagine how bad it hurts when you, you know, don't end up, winning the title. So um, for these guys who had, you know, their next season canceled, um, I, I loved that, you know, Mark was saying that, you know what, they just went back to work and they practiced even harder than it sounded like they ever have. And with that talent on that team, they just kept pushing each other and pushing each other and they're here for a reason. And, you know, I, I don't necessarily want to use the word like revenge or whatever, but this, but they, they feel like, you know, that they belong at the top of the, you know, top of the charts here and they want a rematch with North Central ultimately. And they have the opportunity to do that, but they also understand that to get there, they're going to have to beat a great team from Texas, uh, you know. It's in their home court. I know in the D3 football rankings that uh, technically, I guess, Mary Harden Baylor is number two and Whitewater is number three. But in the way this tournament was seeded and how those things struck out, hey, you know, Whitewater is the home team. That's going to help. It's going to be cold on Saturday, but not as cold as it was two years ago when apparently the field was like a sheet of ice with like six degrees or something like that, um, you know global warming, I guess, uh, or whatever. But anyway, um, it's going to be a fantastic defensive football game between two of the best defenses in the country, but two teams that have outstanding offenses too. It's going to be a great chess match, and I can't wait to see it. Then on the other side of the bracket, here we go. This is where we get to talk about it. North Central at Mount Union. And, okay, I broke the news to you Saturday night. Before we get into the rationales, what was your reaction? Uh, I don't know if I can pull this up enough, fast enough. Let me see here. Uh, no, nah, that's the reinstall. I was going to do the wah, wah, wah. I mean, how the hell did the committee think that this was a good idea that this, you know, the defending undefeated national champion should go on the road to defend their title it is a total crock of something bleep. that, you know, you would bleep. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, you can't blame, I mean, Mountain Union is not, they didn't have any control of this. It's like, they, they, you know, you can't blame them. You can't blame, you know, anything other than this committee, which 
has made some cockamamie decisions this whole playoffs process. I mean, I will say, you know, I'll give the rack two, uh, the region two rack a little credit because in retrospect, some of the decisions they made seem to actually pan out. But the interpretation of the rules in certain times when they just blatantly ignored them on the national side is unbelievable. And behind the scenes, which I know you've been sort of privy to, prior committee members throwing current people under the bus is unbelievable. Like, what the hell is going on, man? Like, can't you just see the tournament and stick, you know, stick with the thing? Like, what is with this recalculation? Be a, I, uh, come on. End of the day, it is what it is. It's going to be a good game on Saturday in Ohio. It kind of sucks for the Cardinals and their and their families, which you'll you'll hear about in a minute. But oof, if anything, twenty twenty one has become the year of broken. What did I call it earlier? Um, broken criteria. <laughs> broken criteria. Yep. Yes. Let, let me give my two cents in here. I, I've kind of. And, you know, giving try or trying to give as much factual information as I can and a little bit of opinion to say this is why things are off the rails or why, you know, people are upset ultimately. Now, let me explain my own feelings here. The NBA recedes. Uh, Other sports leagues do recede in their playoffs, but what they do not do ever is change the seeding in the first place. So you may have a, a team that goes 4-3 uh, and three in a playoff series and one that goes 4-0 and oh in a playoff series, and they don't take those wins and start moving around where everybody finished before the season or where they stand right now and say, oh, well, that two seed is now a four seed, so we'll flip things around and home field advantage turns. So even in major sports leagues where you recede, you don't do this. You take a snapshot before the playoffs of where the teams are before the playoffs start and say, this is what we're going to live with for the playoffs. So that there's some level of certainty and predictability here of what's going to happen down the line. And the committee members you're talking about that reached out said just that. We knew who the first four were and we knew what order they were in so that if they all won, we knew who hosted. It was pretty easy at the end of the day. Hello. Well, here, they basically said, oh, we're going to recalculate. And when you recalculate a team that's had three playoff games versus one that has two playoff games, here's what happens. Your strength of schedule separates. When normally it narrows, it actually separates in this uh, situation. So my union already had a small edge. That small edge got slightly bigger. And you also add a regionally ranked opponent. So now they have a one-up in that column as well, that criteria. And so, okay, yeah, the numbers now say that Mount Union is the better team. Except these aren't the numbers we're supposed to be using. This is not a dynamic tournament. It's not supposed to be a dynamic tournament. And for that matter, we made a rule 10 years ago that said, in case you want to make it a dynamic tournament, Stop, because the defending national champion at the very least, if not any other team that goes undefeated and had a playoff run the previous playoff year, deserves some level of sanctity and safety here. Okay? Consistency, integrity in the system, 
Where is it? And here's the problem. Here's the biggest problem that came out of all this. Every decision that was made, including Hardin-Simmons not being selected, including Linfield traveling to Mary Hardin-Baylor, including the question of who should be traveling to whom in the Whitewater Mary Hardin-Baylor situation, is now being questioned. And I got to be honest with you, because of the way things are playing out, some of the questions are actually pretty good questions. Some of the doubt is actually decent, reasoned doubt. And that's what you just did here. You opened Pandora's box for reasons we don't really understand. And the two things people have been saying over and over is that, yeah, or actually there's technically three. D3 hates North Central. We've heard that quite a bit. And, you know, we don't. Andrew Kaminsky is a great speaker. We'll have him in a second here. Uh, Coach Thorne has joined us multiple times. We love having him on the show or uh, to talk too. to him. <laughs> yeah, so it's not us, and it's not D3Football.com that hates him or anything like that. But maybe the powers that we do, I don't know. The way that this is playing out, you begin to wonder. Or you just penalize the team for a COVID cancellation not in their control. You just penalize them. Basically, he said, no, oh, the game doesn't, isn't there, so the criteria matter uh, when we recalculate, and, well, sorry, you got screwed by losing that game or losing it on your schedule. Well, that's great. Really? Because of player safety and health that you've been preaching for a year, you're going to use it to beat them over the head and send them on the road? Are you kidding me? Or, hey, Mount Union sell a lot of tickets for Canton, so let's make sure they get there because... Fiscally, this tournament's probably underwater as it is with the number of flights that they are having. So we could really use a little shot in the arm here with this. Now, you know what? None of these are proven. But again, the NCAA didn't do a great job of squashing any of this. They didn't squash one bit of this this week. Dewey Nat should have been out in front saying, listen, I want to be completely transparent on what happened here. And that didn't happen. So North Central's on the road. And boy, are they going to get some motivation for this or from this uh, ultimately? Andrew Kaminsky, wide receiver, senior from North Central, joined us to talk about the game against RPI and much, much more, including this. Andrew, uh, kind of an eventful Saturday. Let, let's talk about the high points first. Uh, and uh, that RPI game obviously went uh, fully in North Central's direction offensively. A great day for your team. Take us uh, through uh, that game. I, I, obviously, RPI is one of those teams that can kind of bite you out of nowhere. Uh, that has nine lives and all that stuff. What did you guys do to make sure offensively you would take care of them? Uh, just coming in, we knew right away we got to establish the run game. Our our offensive line does a great job week in week out to allow Green, Ethan Greenfield and Terrence Hill to do what they do best. But uh, we knew going in that we'd be able to take our shots when we needed to, but we were pretty basic in our game plan this week, knowing that we can just come out and play our game and be able to handle what we needed to do. Just out of curiosity, Andrew, what kind of uh, CCIW team would you compare RPI to? I mean, you know, obviously in the playoffs, you end up playing teams from all over the country. Um, you know, you, yeah. you guys are mostly you know familiar with the ones in, in Illinois and the Midwest, but what did, what did, what did the engineers kind of remind you of or who should I say? Watching film, 
offensively, they reminded me a lot of uh, University of Milliken with their size on the outside. They were able, they had that one tall receiver, just like Milliken did. They're like I would compare them to more, Milliken, like in uh, University of Washington, St. Louis. They're they're a good football team, you know. If you, they're a team where if you're not ready to come and play, they'll they'll hang around and beat you. So we knew coming in, and we had to come out and be first snap ready, and like we've been the last couple of weeks. So, okay, uh, we uh, put away the win on Saturday. Everybody, including at Mount Union, because I was there, uh, assumed uh, people would be traveling to Naperville. I was uh, checking out flights myself, and then all of a sudden, uh, I understand uh, you may have been the uh, person to tell uh, your coaching staff uh, what was going on from uh, the Twitter buzz that was going on. Take us through Saturday night and what your emotions were when you found out that you're going to be on the road this coming Saturday to Alliance. Yeah, so I was just scrolling through Twitter after the game. I was actually with uh, our other receiver, Blake Williams. We were sitting there watching the University of Michigan game, and we were just hanging out, and I see a tweet that Mount Union had tweeted, and it was that we had to go to them, and we both looked at each other like, wait a second, how is this right? And I called my head coach right away. I'm like, okay, Coach Jeff, what, what is this? I thought we would be home throughout, and it was just more of a shock to us. Not that it matters to us. It, does, it doesn't matter where we play. It was just kind of a, like a, a stab in the back. Like, okay, what, what more do we need to do to show everybody or to get a home game throughout the entire playoffs? And why do we have to go back there? But it doesn't matter to us. We're more upset about all the fans that we're planning on traveling to North Central to come and see us play there. But it doesn't matter where we play. Yeah, well, I mean, this game two years ago was one of the most exciting um, D3 games in, in a long time. I know you guys have probably had this one circled or were hoping that you'd get, you know, the uh, a, you know, a rematch of sorts because to make it to the national championship, you usually have to beat a team like a Mount Union or a Whitewater or what have you. Um, as you guys start looking at this year's Raiders team, what are some of the similarities and differences that you guys see, uh, at least early on? Um, early on, I mean, uh, for me, watching their secondary, it's it's very, very similar to last year. They have, I think, everybody returned except for maybe one one guy. So just early on, it's been been uh, real similar to last year. I mean, they're a great football team, obviously. They're historically a great football team, and we're excited for the challenge. So you've got Luke Lennon, I, I believe is the correct pronunciation. We, we've been struggling with this all season long, so we'll, we'll go with that. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, yep. Brock Rutter, who I, I saw pipe in a little bit about uh, the hosting controversy on Saturday, obviously graduated uh, on to other things in life, and we hope he's doing well. Uh, but, you know, Luke mm -hmm. has uh, come in here, and the question was, well, you know, you lose Rutter. How, how do you re recover from a loss like that at quarterback? And I know you were close uh, with Brock, I saw you guys obviously at Stag Bowl a couple of years ago, and yep. uh, kind of best of friends out there. How does this work? How, uh, what is your relationship with Luke like, and you know how has he matured in this season in your eyes? Uh, Luke's a great kid. Me and him have an awesome relationship as well, and uh, that stems back to not playing in 2020. We were able to practice together and have those. Uh, kind of one-on-one reps together through, uh, through practice through uh, and then just working out through school. But he's a very, very mature kid for 19 years old. He understands the game well. He wants to get better. Me and him watch film together every day. He he wants to be in this position. He, uh, he knew coming in that the position was wide open, and he attacked it like he was a starter for three years. 
So just uh, seeing that from him and the maturity level that he's uh, brought uh, since week one and how he's gotten better and how he understands our offense now, it's it's awesome to see, and I'm glad that I've been able to help him through it. He's, he's going to be a terrific football player for three more years here. Well, Andrew, first off, I want to say congrats on being named a Gallardi semifinalist. That's a, you know, the, when you look at the, the names on that list, um, what a collection of, of great athletes and, and people to be associated with. So congrats on that. Um, for those keeping score at home, this guy was the uh, national leader in receptions uh, and yards in, in 2019. Um, but I'm going to sort of change, turn the tables on you a little bit, Andrew. Because um, it's interesting, we we know a lot about the Andrew Kaminsky's. We know about the you know the quarterbacks and the you know Greenfield and you know all the offensive names at North Central. But you practice against uh, this North Central defense on a daily basis, and it seems to me like maybe some of those guys on that squad don't have as high a national profile as they probably should, given what they've been able to accomplish this year. You know, you you go up against your secondary in practice. You know, you know the kind of players you have yeah. back there. Tell us a little bit about the, this Cardinals defense that seems to have been, you know, pun intended, flying under the radar for, for a while here. Yeah, they've definitely have been flying under the radar to most of the country. But to us, it's it's no surprise what they're doing. They work hard every day. They're, they're extremely talented. They're extremely knowledgeable of the game. They're coached uh, tremendously by our defensive coordinator, Shane Durking. And uh, they just come to work and they attack that mindset of everybody looks over them, everybody uh, always – uh, compliments our offense that we're the number one scoring offense that our offense does this and our offense does that so they kind of just get overlooked but they they enjoy that they want that they don't want everyone to say oh they're a top five defense in the country they're they do this they do that they want to be overlooked so that when the uh, Saturday comes and then they're punching people in the mouth they're like okay now everyone realizes that they're not just a good offense that they also have a top five defense in the country talk about you Andrew uh, you know Coming off a national championship type of situation in 2019 and then what we went through in 2020, you didn't need to necessarily come back to prove anything this year. You decided uh, in the road that you traveled here to come back, to play hard. Uh, I believe you have a hula bowl invitation uh, as a result of all this. Uh, I mean, yeah. take us through your decision-making process after 2019 and after what COVID delivered to us to come back and do this again. So when we got the when I got the call from uh, Coach Thorne when our 2020 season had been canceled, it was a no brainer for me right away. I said, Coach, well, I'm just going to take the year off of school because of my credit, my credits, and all that allowed me to. And I was coming back. It was a no brainer for me, and it wasn't because of the opportunity after college. It was to go one more round with my with my teammates, with my brothers, and go back to back. I didn't think about all the stuff that I could have after college. It was nothing to do with that at all. It was just to play one more season with my boys. What would it mean to you guys? I mean, it, it, to even win a national championship in D3, if you're not named, you know, Mount Union or Whitewater or whatever, uh, has, has, has been hard for lots of programs to do. You guys have the opportunity, if you win um, Saturday, to play, you know, for a second consecutive title. What would that opportunity mean to you and your teammates? It would mean everything. It just, just not only for myself, but just the program at North Central. Just what it would do to just recruiting for, for us, and then just to be maybe put into that conversation of oh, now North Central can compete and be in the semifinals with 
Mount Union, Whitewater, Mary Harden, Baylor year in and year out. Like that's that's what Coach Jeff wanted to uh, establish when he got here. That's what his dad wanted to, and that's what we're all playing for. It's it's not we're we're not playing for this year. We're playing for everybody that came before us. Uh, for Coach Jeff's dad, who his major dream was to uh, make North Central a national championship caliber program, and now that we're there, we just have to take care of business. It's been it's been fun, and can't wait for this Saturday. One of my best memories on the field after the game in 2019 was seeing John Thorne and see, talking to him, the emotion that he had and the pride he had in uh, his son and the team and everything else. So it was a huge moment for him. Hope he's doing well. Uh, Andrew, what's next for you? Uh, after uh, the season's done, you have maximum, obviously, two games left here. Uh, what's next for you along the way? As I mentioned earlier, the Hula Bowl coming up, uh, maybe a, sh a time to showcase there. Is a pro football career something that you'd like to pursue? Uh, it's definitely something that I'm going to look forward uh, in pursuing. I'll uh, lucky enough to sign with an agent. I haven't decided that yet on who that's going to be, and then uh, participate in a hula bowl and hopefully pursue a career in professional uh, football. Well, that would be great. Well, I know first things first, Andrew. You need to get a, a second really sweet hoodie like the one you got on there. That's 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 the first <laughs> step, course. right? That's a, that's yep. a good looking hoodie. So. Um, if, you, no if you've seen if you've seen our program before, then you might know what's coming up. We like to give all of our student athlete guests the opportunity to shout out any friends, family, whoever um, might be tuning in to catch this uh, catch this interview. So, the floor is yours, Andrew Kaminsky. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you guys. And I'm going to shout out my mom and dad for everything that they do. My twin brother out in Arizona, and then I'm going to shout out the Naperville. Uh, neighborville community and then also the rest of my family cousins grandparents and everybody that supported me through everything and also my best friends and my teammates before we go though twin brother's name is jeffrey jeffrey you got a great twin out there good luck to you andrew kaminsky uh you know his numbers are not as good as they were in 2019 but there's a reason for yep. that jb you double team a guy like him, no doubt. Well, and you that's know what's something happening. else, Frank. You know, it's something else. We'll get into this maybe on Friday, but when I was doing the annual, well, it's been a two-year break or a break for whatever, the sort of annual in the huddle tail of the tape, the biggest thing that stood out to me when you look at the statistics on North Central is that their rushing totals this year have literally gone up by 100-plus yards per game to the extent now that they are, are, are almost really more of a rushing team. I don't want to give away any you know company secrets here, but they are out rushing the passing offense by 50 yards a game. And – when they won the national title two years ago, it wasn't the same deal. They were a passing team. So, yeah, the teams got wise to Kaminsky. They got wise to a few other things going on. You know, they have a freshman quarterback now. It's not Brock Rutter who, you know, flirted with the NFL for a little while, and, and we wish him well, and he was an outstanding player, one of the best quarterbacks in D3 you've seen in a while. But, man, this is a running football team, and Greenfield – is going to be a big factor in this game against Mountain Union, especially when you look at Mountain Union's rush defense, which they did a pretty good job against Muhlenberg too. So something's got to give Saturday.
Terrence Hill as well. Uh, we always see him in these box scores, uh, scoring touchdowns on the ground too. So you've got a couple uh, different players there that are going to be effective on the ground for North Central. But, you know, Kaminsky kind of uh, helping a freshman quarterback mature, that is a huge thing right there. You, you can't even bottle that. If you could, you would uh, out there and uh, sell it, uh, you know, the coaches all over the country because they'd love to have that. And like we said, uh, still catching touchdowns despite the double teams that we know were happening all throughout the season with Kaminsky. That's how good he is. That's why he was invited to the Hula Bowl. Let's not kid ourselves here. But then uh, somebody that knows very well about double teams going on downfield, uh, because he, he probably loved to throw to Wayne Ruby Jr. all day, every day, but uh, teams have gotten pretty keen to Ruby uh, over the last couple of weeks, especially, and Ruby still has caught some great passes and touchdowns in that process. Absolutely, but yeah. Braxton Plunk, the quarterback, uh, junior quarterback for Mount Union, has uh, had an interesting calendar year, to say the least. The number of games they, too, have played is incredible, and the maturation that it has allowed, that it has allowed him, I should say, uh, is uh, second to none, and in his own words, here is Braxton Plunk. Braxton, a couple times in these playoffs, you've been in uh, sort of a surprising situation where Mount Union is actually trailing in the game. Um, you guys got down 21-9 to against a very strong Muhlenberg team. Their defense was, was keying in on you pretty well. What did you say to your teammates in the huddle, or what was going on in the sidelines that kind of got you guys to turn things around and, and really, you know, help your offense open up for that big win? Um, no, I think everybody was pretty calm and composed. Um, definitely the leadership of some of the, the fifth-year and sixth-year guys that came back, um, just them being poised and, and realizing, you know, um, are still, you know, just taking it one play at a time. Um, and the coaches did a great job at keeping everybody calm. And I think we all just kind of trusted each other and we had to, you know, start to play better. I had to play better on uh, my part and quit turning the ball over. And then once we got that, we got rolling. So one of the things that I've been noticing and others have too uh, offensively is kind of the balance between DeAndre Parker, who's a phenomenal running back, and J Josh Petroselli, who's got the experience out there over the years. We always joke about uh, Jefferson Fritz at UMHB. It feels like Petroselli's been there forever too at uh, Mount Union. But, uh, you know, the, the balance in terms of number of uh, rushes, downs, et cetera, and almost like you guys count on him for late-game heroics of sorts, that 53-yard touchdown on Saturday being one of those moments uh, that I could uh, key in on, and obviously a lot more than just that. What is your relationship, and what is the offense's view of, uh, you know, Petro and what he is going to be used for here going down the line, and how do you feel about it? Right now, both those guys are uh, great athletes, and uh, they've made a lot of great plays for us this year. Um, they've done a lot of great things. Both of them can catch the ball out of backfield, and they both run hard. Um, you know, but I think they both just kind of learn from each other. Petra, I think he made a joke uh, a couple of days or today or yesterday. Like it's going to be like his 60th or 61st game playing. So um, his experience helps in his leadership, you know, and I think him and DeAndre just kind of feed off each other, and um, they both play exceptionally well for us. Well, Braxton, something that's been really unusual in sort of the post-COVID time frame is that you've effectively kind of played an NFL season, um, so to speak. I mean, you guys are 17-0 are in, in 2021. You had four-game uh, sort of short spring season. What 
what any less any lessons from that um, you know kind of spring season that, that you guys brought into this fall and and has playing seventeen games in this calendar year um, you know had an impact on the team? How's everybody holding up health wise? No, no, everybody's good. We're extremely grateful to have those games in the spring. Um, you know, we were happy to get any football in, but you know, I think they were a great learning lesson, especially for younger players that we had on the offensive line that maybe hadn't played that much. And myself and a few guys that were you know, didn't have the experience in those four games in the spring really helped us out. But, um, you know, as of right now, everybody, you know, feels great, and we're really just kind of, you know, keeping on this game. Well, speaking of pro football schedules, uh, you want to uh, get to the Pro Football Hall of Fame uh, about a week, a week and a half from uh, when we're recording this. And uh, there's this uh, team coming to town named North Central. And uh, while you weren't quarterback in the last time uh, the teams played, you obviously remember the game from a couple of years ago. And, uh, you know, needless to say, with not getting into all the jazz from this weekend, there's a chip on the shoulder. On their side, there's a revenge factor on your side. This this lines up very interestingly, like a really great game forming here, uh, and obviously the talent on both sides of the ball for both teams is incredible. Tell us about what you see in terms of that North Central defense. How tough are they to get that ball down the field on? Um, you know, they're a really good team. They have uh, good players and good coaches, and um, we're, we're you know pretty sure they'll be ready to go. But I think our focus is kind of us doing our job, um, regardless of who we play or where we play or what time we play. So, um, you know, we're just kind of focusing on um, what we do today and in Monday practice and just kind of focus on our job. Well, one of the uh, one of your defensive players, Cordell Ford, had joined us in the springtime, and you know he was pretty adamant that the big reason why you know guys like him and others stuck around for this uh, sort of extra you know, fall season was the opportunity to face uh, North Central again. I don't know if we'll see uh, you know over a hundred points scored, um, but you know with you dropping back to pass about fifty six times a game, it seems. I mean, geez. Uh, it, this it looks like this game could have a potential to be you know a full on air raid here, but I guess, I guess um, you know from your perspective, you know is this is are the games are game plans really you know you guys really want to you know throw the ball a lot or is it basically you're just going to tailor it to the the specific opponent or is there a, sort of a mountain union style of offense that you guys are going to do no matter what you get who you play? No, I think you know just whatever uh, you know the team may give us that week or. Um... You know, Coach Dart was a great job in preparing us, and you know, all our coaches um, you know, give us confidence and prepare us. You know, Monday through Friday, and then uh, we try to do our best out there Saturday. Whether that's you know passing the ball, or running the ball, um, we've got great players everywhere. You know, obviously we have great receivers and Wayne Ruby, but um, you know, Harvey and, and Manley and all those guys and Ulysses have made you know a lot of great plays. And then you guys touched on Petroselli and, and DeAndre earlier, so um, <clears throat> you know, they, they, a lot of. A lot of good playmakers, so we just got to do a good job in getting them the ball. And it's been a little while since Mount Union has won a national championship by Mount Union standards. Uh, obviously, uh, what was it, twenty seventeen? I think, uh, give or take, uh, the last time. Uh, and you know, a guy like you, you, you were a phenomenal prospect uh, coming out of high school. Uh, you know, you look back on Google, which is a fabulous thing for historical purposes. And, uh, you know, Braxton Plunk was a name that a lot of people were saying uh, down in the Florida area. But obviously, guys like you come to a school like Mount Union with the prospect of the national stage, the national championship, et cetera. But let me not put words into your mouth. You tell us, what was the 
overriding decision-making process for you to choose Mount Union ultimately, and how do you feel about the choice right now as a junior? No, um, I definitely love the choice. Um, love the players and the teammates. I think that's kind of the thing that makes it makes it um, the best. It's just the players, you know, and the guys around and the coaches that um, really care about you. But you know, I think that what makes you want to come here is when you first type in Mount Union and it is the national championships that they've won. Um, you know, we have to live up to that standard, and I think that standard, you know, is going to take us just focusing on this game. Um, you know, not looking ahead. Well, Braxton, uh, I want to be one of the first to say good luck with the, um, you know, the Gallardi semifinalist uh, thing. I know that, that, you know, to just be in that kind of company is is impressive in and of itself. So congratulations on that. Um, for folks who don't know, uh, you're uh, you're from down here in Florida, like, you know, where I'm at, um, you know, the Tampa area, Plant High School, I believe. So does anybody on the Raiders ever refer to you as Tom Brady or do you get any, you know, a hard time from some of the older guys? Because you're, you know, you're like Tampa Tom here leading, uh, leading this high-powered <laughs> offense. No, I wish. Um, <laughs> no, I get a lot of short jokes because I'm undersized. Here, here are the dark flirty, but the short jokes. But, um, uh, no, I wish it was Tom Brady. He's doing a great job. He played uh, really good yesterday. As an undersized quarterback, who do you look up to in the pros? Is it like the Drew Breeses, Russell Wilsons? Who do you pattern yourself after uh, or have molded yourself uh, toward, uh, knowing that uh, kind of there's this undersized quarterback thing you have to get past, which you've done quite well, don't get me wrong? Um, you know, I think you just kind of look up to all of them and try to take as much as you can. Um, obviously, you know, those guys are great players. Um, you know, just to make it to the NFL, you have to be a great player. Um, you know, I think but, um, you see a lot more shorter guys in the NFL now. It seems like all those guys can kind of run well, um, you know, but you just got to take, you know, some things from everybody, I guess. Well, Braxton, this has been a, a lot of fun. I know you've got a lot of work ahead of you this week in the film and, and practice room. Um, but as a longstanding in the huddle tradition, and, and we've had uh, a few Purple Raiders on the show over the years, so we're now extending the courtesy to you to do any shout outs for any, um, you know, maybe friends or family down here in Florida or other, you know, teammates up there in Ohio or, or, or elsewhere. Uh, Braxton Plunk, floor is yours. Um, you know, I think I'm a part of the team. I think um, we just want to shout out all the former Raiders, all the people that have came before us and built this program. Um, you know, we're going to do everything we can to make them proud. So we appreciate them. Plunk was our offensive player of the season in the spring, as you may remember. And we didn't get a chance to talk with him back then, but uh, great to catch up with him for uh, our discussion here. And uh, we didn't ask him much about the hosting rights and all that stuff because, again, this isn't Mount Union's fault, and it's not Mount no. Union to say no to this, okay? So it's, that's why it doesn't belong in that interview or that discussion. They're going to take what they get, and they're going to try yeah. their best in a game that a lot of people think they're going to lose and possibly lose big, which is very awkward to say about a Mount Union team. Is reverse motivation possible here the more people say that? Well, I think it is when you when you look back on, you know, the conversations we've had with, you know, senior co-captains Cordell Ford and and there's a, a pretty large fifth-year senior class that came back specifically for this rematch. They were embarrassed that they lost to North Central and not only lost, but they gave up 59 points to the eventual new national champions and the Raiders are trying to get back on top of the heap and yeah, this this could be a little extra added, you know, 
fuel to the fire for the Raiders who, you know, maybe from your experience in, in Alliance, you know, a few things didn't look as buttoned up as maybe as you've seen in years past, but still as much of a chip on the shoulder as NCC has and deservedly so, Mountain Union has also been waiting for two years to get two years plus because they got eliminated, I think, in the second round um, in 2019 in that game. They've been waiting a long time for this rematch, and this is going to be a big deal for the Raiders for sure. If nothing else from these four interviews, I think we painted you storylines of unfinished business and, you know, rematches or familiarity with the teams and not hatred, but respect, honestly, of how good these teams are and what they really want to do here in terms of uh, getting to the national championship. We have four teams here and all four of them, they were the top four in the d3football.com top 25 for a reason. And they all have a chance and a right to be in that national championship on December 17th. Who's going to get there? We'll predict that this Friday on our live show. So until then, folks, thanks for joining us. Thanks to all the sports information directors that helped us get these interviews together. JB, thank you for all your hard work to help pull that all together. And we will talk to you Friday, folks. In between, don't forget to watch out for our Glarity finalist show on Thursday afternoon.